would you follow you or your brand if you didn't own, operate, or weren't you? Would you still follow it? And when they step back out of themselves and look at it from that perspective, then they go, gosh, yeah, dude, you're right. I wouldn't. And I'm like, okay, now that we've said this, now let's go and, and I want you to create content around what you would do or what you would follow or what you would like or engage with. And when they start doing that, all of a sudden, and I always tell them, I'm like, patience. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. But I, I'm like, watch what happens. And all of a sudden, you start seeing things trickle in. DMs start coming in. Uh, followers start going up. Engagement starts to increase. And then they're like, I got it. I got it. And I'm like, okay, cool. You don't need me anymore. The best example that I can give of fear that pretty much all of your listeners have ever felt is the very first, the, the, the day before and the first couple hours of the first day of school. That feeling of getting up in the morning or the night before or just about getting off the bus and walking into, it, let's say, a new school or a new grade or whatever it is, that, that, that is the, most of the time, that's the biggest fear that you're ever going to feel. Now, we forget about it as adults because we haven't had to fear, we haven't had to feel that in a long time. Now, if you're starting a new job the first day, that fear, it's the same fear that you felt when, on your first day of kindergarten. But what, 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 I, what I've learned is this, is that the way not to be afraid of failure is just to just go out and fail. One day I woke up and I was like, that's it. That's it. I'm taking full control back of this. And I just want, I wrote it all down and I just said, I'm just, this is done. Now this, now this. And I just started making a list of just stuff that I was just gonna start just totally and utterly conquer and get out of the situation that I was in and I did. That's my answer to it. If you wanna overcome fear, like seriously, then go out and do something that you're scared of. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Todd Collins. You are the Chief Operating Officer of Platinum Reputations, 
a company that works to help businesses and individuals with their online brand. You currently work with other, over 400 clients, building digital marketing strategies, managing online reputation, and assisting businesses in conquering their local markets. Today, you have a fast-paced life, speaking in front of audiences across the globe, sharing your expertise. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks, Roger. I appreciate it, man. And I know you travel a lot. Where are you? Uh, where are you today? I'm, I'm, so we're we're in the weekend now. So I'm actually home. I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, my hometown. Uh, love it. But yeah, we're going to be traveling here uh, starting on Monday again. Um, actually, into Pennsylvania and then back to Maryland. So there's going to be a lot of not not flying this time, but driving. Yeah. Awesome. And Baltimore's been in the news lately. There's been. <laughs> A bit of uh, news. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I try to stay out of politics. I'm kind of like a middleman, to be honest with you. I don't really consider myself a Republican or a Democrat or anything else like that. Um, I, I I posted something actually in reference to it, and it was so sort of not really a. In fact, actually, in the very top of the post, I actually put not a political post, um, and I said Baltimore is infested with great minds. Um, so, you know, an infestation doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. It can be a positive thing too. So that was kind of my take on it, that we can, we can infest, we can, we can show people that Baltimore is actually a great place. And it really is, to be honest with you. Um, there's just, uh, you know, like any city there's issues and sometimes the people at the top can be the issue and us as the public, we need, we need to make better decisions, I think, when it comes down to that. So. That's my, that's my take. But in the reality, there's a lot of really good things that are going on right now. There was just a, an article written um, uh, in Oprah's magazine about um, some of the great things in Baltimore, uh, like some of the, the restaurants that are in Baltimore. Baltimore has, is very well known for a, a lot of awesome restaurants and ones that make the news. One of our clients, Jimmy's Famous Seafood, has made the news in their battle against PETA. So, you know, there's good things about Baltimore, too. Sure. Just like any city. And that's what my next question was, is what's, you know, what's the reality? Obviously, you know, we hear a lot in the news about Chicago and all the shootings, not so much lately, but we have over the past couple of years. Is it, is Baltimore just like the other major cities that has their issues or is it a bit deeper than that? And I really don't think it is, to be honest with you. A lot of people, you know, when I do travel and I do speak, like when I was out in San Diego or was out in Las Vegas and you know, people are like, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm, I'm from Baltimore. And they're like, oh, geez, you know, I saw, saw the wire. Um, is, it, is it really like that? And I'm like, I got to be honest with you. I've been in Baltimore City. I skateboarded in Baltimore City my whole life. Um, I grew up in the county, obviously, but I, I went down to the city and I skateboarded in the city. And I have a lot of clients in Baltimore City. And, um, and I'm down there probably three days out of the week. I don't see any of that. Um, so just like any other city, there's good parts and you can call them bad parts, but they're just parts that sometimes are just, you know, just left out of the loop. The, the news will let you see what you want to see. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I'm glad you said that because today I wanted to talk to you about fear, you know, yeah. coming fear. And that's, that's a big part of your platform. And I think this is a great example of the media and how they, you know, put things out to the world. Whereas what is the reality? You know, what's the, what's the reality of the fear? And, and instilling fear 
you know, it, just your example is perfect. You know, you say you're from Baltimore and people, oh, really? Is it, you know, so it, it's all about perception, isn't it? It is. I mean, the thing is, is that in, until you, you know, and it's funny because I'm, I'm actually getting ready to, to do a post where it's a picture of my shoe and there's like an overlay of me in the shoe and in the leg. And it's, you really can't judge somebody until you walk a mile in their shoes. And, and what I mean by that is um, I got involved in a, in a, in a cause called the food project. It's in, it's located in a, in a school that's been closed in the, in downtown Baltimore city. Um, and it's a place where children can go and they can learn the food industry um, from chefs and from um, restaurant owners and things of that nature. And it gives them a place to go to learn and educate themselves for an industry that they could go possibly work for. Some of these kids don't even have parents at home. Both parents could be in jail and these kids are responsible for getting themselves off to school and things of that nature. And these kids are 13, 14 years old. I mean, it's crazy. Um, That being said, the perspective part of it comes down to don't judge these people until you've actually walked a mile in their shoes. And if you've been there and you grew up in that area, then you can have an opinion about it. If you don't live in that area and you've never lived there and you've never lived like that, then you you don't have the right to give an opinion based on that. So, you know, um, and that's why I don't give my opinions on it, to be quite honest with you. I, I just try to bring awareness to the fact that, um, until you've actually sat in someone's shoes, you really can't pass judgment on anyone. Great. No, and again, glad you brought up awareness. That, that's come up a lot in uh, my recent episodes with guests. And it's being that observer, right? Being, being aware, being in, in not being so judgmental. Uh, you know, uh, it, it seems that uh, our world is in a place. And again, it's, you know, how, how do we put ourselves out there in the world? Are we going to participate in that judgment, in that fear? Um, I'm actually getting ready to do a post about um, see, hear, and speak no evil. What does that really mean? And if you think about it, we come across things constantly throughout our day. And if we think about those three things, you know, very similar to your, you know, shoe example, if you you don't walk in someone's shoes, but also if you don't participate in, in that judgment, it seems the world could be a much better place. And, and I believe, you know, conversations like this and, and many, many others that are happening simultaneously are helping people become more aware. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you got to make a decision what you're going to use your platforms um, for and whether or not, if you're going to be the person that is going to bring awareness to something that's, that, that's happening that's negative, then you got to think, you got to think about a way to, and this goes back to the perspective thing, you got to think about a way to flip it, to show the positive angle to it. So, you know, I made a decision like, like probably about two years ago, just to kind of like flip the content that I was putting out more from, you know, like digital marketing and things that nature more to just like, what would I want to see? when I open up Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or TikTok or LinkedIn or YouTube, which I'm on all these platforms. And the reason I got on all these platforms is because if I'm going to spread this awareness, then I need to spread it everywhere that everybody is. Um, And in the reality of things at this point, it's like, you got to make that decision. What side are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the side that's going to go, look, I got to see the positives and everything, or I'm going to be the person that's going to give the opinion in the thread and, you know, just be ready to fight. And it's just like, at the end of the day, like don't waste your time on social media 
you know, listening to these people that are like, man, get the guy out of office or man, you know, it's like, um, I'm, I'm constantly just putting up negative stuff. Like I'm sure you have this person, right. That you're probably friends with on Facebook, or whatever. And like, they're constantly, their posts are like, well, they did it again. I can't believe it. You know, my boss is being mean to me again. It's like the constant, like, you know, and it's like, they're looking for somebody to get into the comments and make them feel better. And it's like, Oh my gosh, man. It's like, you, you got to do this yourself. You got to take control and do it yourself. So ability take, take, as I call extreme ownership, right? Yeah. Of your actions. hundred percent. So how do you, um, how do you, okay, that's great. And I'm, I'm glad you explained that about what you did in changing your social media. How do you help your clients see through that and get them to make some changes uh, based on their theme or the, you know, whatever they're trying to do with their branding? Yeah, it's a great question. And what's interesting about that is kind of what I just said when I did what I did uh, a couple years ago, when I, when I said to myself, what would I, what type of content would I want to consume or what would keep me interested? So one of the big questions that I asked any, but when I talk, when I, you know, if I'm talking at a seminar or if I'm literally sitting on a one, in a one-on-one with someone, I literally say, okay, step back for a second. Look at your, your, all your profiles. If, and let's just say the brand, let's not even say their own personal brand, but let's just say their brand, but you could utilize this in both ways. Would you follow you or your brand if you didn't own, operate, or weren't you? Would you still follow it? And when they step back out of themselves and look at it from that perspective, then they go, gosh, yeah, dude, you're right. I wouldn't. And I'm like, okay, now that we've said this, now let's go and, and I want you to create content around what you would do or what you would follow or what you would like or engage with. And when they start doing that, all of a sudden, and I always tell them, I'm like, patience, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. But I, I'm like, watch what happens. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing things trickle in. DMs start coming in. Uh, followers start going up. Engagement starts to increase. And then they're like, I got it. I got it. And I'm like, okay, cool. You don't need me anymore. So it's really just that. That's the answer. If, if anybody's looking to figure out why they're not getting this or why they're not getting that, it's because your content is just not for the people. You're putting content out that's for you. And it shouldn't be. It really should be what would somebody else want to engage with or like or help them? What would, what would they want to see? And that, when you start doing it that way, everything changes. I love that. And, and that's gold, what you just shared with our listeners. So, so thank you for that. What about people that are listening and just take it one step further and then we can move on to, to some other questions. But what about people that are listening and said, geez, you know, Todd, I, I did that. Or I, at least I thought I did that. Or those people that, don't know how to separate what they're doing today versus where they could or should be. Any advice there? I, with, with that part, they're probably not getting too personal. So they're probably keeping it very, um, they're not being vulnerable enough. Let's put it that way. They're not, they're not telling stories. And I just had a young lady on my, my podcast yesterday. Um, yeah. And she's, and she's a videographer and her whole the whole aspect of what she does is, is storytelling. And um, if you really think about what we consume on a daily basis from a digital standpoint, we consume stories. Um, 
And what I mean by that, I don't necessarily mean stories as in like Instagram stories, because we do. But what I mean by that is we consume stories that uh, they pull out an emotion from us. And so if you're not, if, if you're, if you're, your intent of a post or content is to sell something, then you're, that's exactly, you're going to get like very minimal engagement. But if your intent to post is to tell a story, and here's the, here's the best part about this. Don't tell, your story is great. So tell your story first. But then after that, help other people, give them the platform to tell their stories. And then what you're going to see is you're going to get awareness to an audience that you've never been on before. So your, your podcast is a perfect example of this, right? You'll post this podcast episode up. And then I'll take this episode and I'll share it to my followers and my followers are going to go, whoa, dude, American Real, man, that's awesome. I'm going to go follow this guy. And so that's what it's all about. So you're helping other people tell their stories. So that's what I would say to people is that instead of, don't put so much effort into your selfish content, put more effort into your giving content. And what you'll see is you'll start attracting different people and, and, and followers from other people that you didn't have before. And it's just, just don't be as selfish as, as you are being right now. It's like you're, you're being selfish with your content. It's all about you, yeah, right? Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot yeah. of sense. Where does, when you talk about vulnerability in, in there, where does sharing values, for example, your values fit into that? So, for example, at American Real, we have a, a Facebook group called Strong Values, and we're just trying to promote strong values in, in that theme. So just trying to give a real life example of how, say, American Real might be able to tell that story of our guests and promote strong values. Is there a way to connect the dots so that you as a guest are on our show, um, tying your values to the overall theme of strong values? And I'm just trying to, again, give an example so other people could put this into their world to connect the dots. Is that important to try to do that kind of theme or role-playing when you're when you're putting out your content or is that thinking it too too much well i think we all overthink our own content i mean there's no question about it i mean we're all we we all put too much way too much effort into color and you know bokeh in a in a photo and stuff i mean we just put way too much thought into it because the thing is is that your your content's got about 0.3 seconds of visual in the eye of the person that's looking at it, right? Like, again, we, we think the way that we think, we're like, because we look at our own profile every day, right? So the way that we think is that we think everybody else looks at our profile the same way we look at our profile, and it just doesn't happen that way. Most people, literally, it's just like we do on our feed, right? Where we, like, that's it. That's how much time they put into your actual, unless there was a massive amount of interest there. So you got to make sure that your values are, are, are on point with, with your own truths. Like you got to live your own value, the same values that you're preaching to other people. So like with me, like, you know, like I do go to the gym a lot, you know, it, to me working out is, is a huge part of my mental clarity, right? I don't drink alcohol or do drugs because I want to be sharper than the next person that I'm going up against, right? That person might've drank six wines on Sunday and I didn't have anything, drank water, went to the gym, I'm ready to rock and roll and this person's you know, hung over. I'm gonna be sharper than that person where we are. So you gotta make those decisions to live your life like that. 
And then what ends up happening is when you share that you've made those decisions, you're going to attract the people that are either A, want to live their life that way, or B, are already living their life that way, and they're looking for other people to connect with that live their life that way. Um, so I, I think that 100% you should talk about your values and what's important to you and, and not do it from a point of I'm better than you because I live my life this way, but you're sharing it in a way where it's like, I did this and made this change in my life and it really helped me. And it's quite possible if you're struggling in this area of your life, changing it to live like this might be better for you. I hope that answers your question. And I think that's kind of where I would go with it. It does so much. And I want our listeners to really take that to heart because what you just said is very, very authentic. And I think will help people actually maybe an aha moment where, okay, you know, now, now this makes a little bit more sense about how I should really talk about me and my values of what I actually do. And, and again, the gym is a great example of that. Yeah. I mean, huge. It's, it's, it made a, it's made a huge difference in my life. There's no question about it. So Todd, I'm anxious to share your story and um, we're going to focus on something you are really good at. And that is, I mentioned it earlier, overcoming the fear of failure. Can we start there and talk to us a little bit more about fear? Yeah. You know, I, I was talking about fear yesterday and it popped into my head and I was like, fear, the best example that I can give of fear that pretty much all of your listeners have ever felt is the very first, the, the, the day before and the first couple hours of the first day of school. That feeling of getting up in the morning or the night before or just about getting off the bus and walking into, let's say, a new school or a new grade or whatever it is, that 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 is the most of the time that's the biggest fear that you're ever going to feel now we forget about it as adults because we haven't had to fear we haven't had to feel that in a long time now if you're starting a new job the first day that fear it's the same fear that you felt when on your first day of kindergarten right yes. so overcoming that fear the way to overcome that fear um i find is is sometimes difficult but what 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 i what i've learned is this is that the way not to be afraid of failure is just to just go out and fail so when i was talking to um frankie yesterday i said to her you know i said why did you why were you scared to be to, to actually go out on your own leave your job and go out on your own as an entrepreneur and, and i said i want you to be vulnerable and tell me really why and she she was like um you know, I was just scared. I thought I was going to, I thought I was a fraud. I, th I thought I couldn't make it. I, I didn't think I was going to get any customers. I didn't think I was going to clients. And I, caught, I said, it was first day of school syndrome. And she goes, what do you mean? And then I expanded on what it was. The way to overcome it is to actually do it. And me personally, look, here's the deal. I'll be blunt and totally clear with everybody here. I was, I was in the car business and I was making 300 some thousand dollars a year doing very, very well. I fast paced through that business. Um, and it was because I was authentic. I was, I really took really good care of my customers. Like, and I was in my twenties in that. When I left that business and started the agency with my business partner, um, I had nothing at that point. I was going through a divorce. Um, I was bankrupt. I had to claim bankruptcy. 
because my business, my, I had an issue with my business partner. Um, uh, I was completely out of money. My car got repossessed in front of a customer, a client, a new client. Um, I was working out of my basement. I was up until three in the morning making phone calls and cold emails and cold calling during the day. And I, I mean, I was just all this stuff, right? And I'm sitting there thinking to myself and I'm like, is this really worth it? Like, why, why, should, I, why should I keep going? Why should I keep doing this? I'm, I'm making $1,200 a month, right? I'm having trouble, you know, my ex-wife's like, we need, you know, I need money. Like, and I'm like, oh, I don't have it. Like, it's, I mean, all this stuff, right? I'm like, I created all this. Why did I do this, you know? And then I, that one day I woke up and I was like, that's it. That's it. I'm taking full control back of this. And I just want, I wrote it all down and I just said, I'm, this is done. Now this, now this. And I just started making a list of just stuff that I was just going to start just totally and utterly conquer and get out of the situation that I was in. And I did. And it was a lot of shit, man. Like I wrote a, an, my attorney a check for $30,000. That's $30,000 coming out of my bank account, right? I mean, most people don't never, never even write a check for $30,000, you know? And I'm writing a check for $30,000 to a guy. I mean, th- granted, I won the case I was in, but the bottom line comes down to is that if you're not scared of anything, if you've gone through it before and you've come out the other side. So the only way not to be scared is to try something you're scared of. And so that's the one thing that I want to remember is I want people to remember is that the only way you're going to not be scared is to try something you're scared of. If you're scared of spiders, pick up a damn spider. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my answer to it. If you want to overcome fear, like seriously, then go out and do something that you're scared of. Like, and I always tell people, I'm like, what, what is the worst case scenario? What, what's, what's worst case? Like if you start your own business, like what's worst case scenario? Oh, you go out of business? Okay, you go out of business. Let's try again. So it's like we got we, we have so much time. We, we you know a lot of us always say we're like, oh man, time flies. Dude, time doesn't fly. It's a long time, man. I mean, we've been we've been around for a long time. We got a lot to go. So it's how you utilize that time, right? It, it is, man. I mean, it's how you utilize it. And then, then there's people that are that that always say, um, you know, work life balance, right? I work a lot. Like I'm in the office today. I would have been in the office today. Even if you and I didn't have this episode, I would have been here on a Saturday and I'll be here tomorrow. Um, and it's because I love it. And, you know, the, the person that I'm with knows that I love it. And when we got together, they, she understood that it's a big part of my life. When somebody interviewed me five years ago and they wrote an article about me, I, there was a snippet in the article and there were some people that didn't like that article because of what I said. And I'll tell you exactly what I said. And I said, business first, family second. And people were like, how could he say that? What, what, you know, and and I, and I defended myself and I said, that's my, that's my perspective. Business first, family second. You might disagree with that and that's okay. But my business is what takes care of my family. So if my business is not properly taken care of, then either is my family. So you can disagree with me if you want to. You can stay by the pool on a Saturday. I work really hard so my family can sit by the pool today. So, and I'm here working and I'm okay with that because I love it. I'm in my, I'm in my happy place and they're in their happy place. 
That's great. I'm so glad you gave that example. I uh, I actually saw a post this morning from David Meltzer, and he said, oh, I love him, dude. Yeah, he's great. He's uh, he was on your show, wasn't he? He was. Yes. He's awesome, dude. Yeah, we're we've become good friends, and but he put up a post this morning, and it said, um, "Be selfish," or "I'm selfish," so I could be selfless. Yep. So it, it, it's the same, you know, correlation that, as, you know, you have to really take care of yourself and what's most important to you so you could then take care of others. Yep. I think most of us, myself included, I've made this mistake most of my life in trying to uh, please people, you know, be, being a people pleaser. And you could only go so far with that. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you gave that example. It also reminds me of, of a post I read from Gary Vee um, earlier in the week, which I know you have a Gary Vee story as well. Yeah. But he talks about Sundays. That you gotta go. Loves, you know, he loves Sundays in that he goes to bed early Sunday night because he cannot wait for Monday morning where most people are dreading it. Yeah. And, and um, it's great to hear you talk about that, you know, a real person living it, grinded it out, but you love what you do. And that's- I do. I, I like, that's the thing is that so like, one of, one of my friends, Brandy, she, she was like, you're such a hustle, bro. And I'm like, and? Like, dude, you're absolutely right. I love to work. And like, so when I put my content out, I'm like, because I'm, I'm trying to attract the people that feel the same way as me because then that person becomes my friend and we're cool with each other. And I've met a lot of really cool people that just love to work. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, Gary gets it right. I, I get super excited about, dude, I, like, I'm really excited about Monday. I have two seminars that I'm speaking one Monday and, and I've got a bunch of meetings with people and I'm excited about it. That's so, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Just like when somebody gets excited to go on vacation. Now I get my vacation is work. I don't know. It's weird, but it's kooky, but I just love to, I love the work. I'm with you hundred percent. So tell us about your Gary V and Tony Robbins encounters. Yeah. The Tony Robbins thing was, <laughs> this is a funny story, man. So the Tony Robbins thing, like I was not, I, I'm not, let me put it this way. My business partner is a big Tony Robbins fan. I, I know where you're going with this. I'm a little like, I can't get into the stick banging and I can't get into that, man. I need it to be like way more raw. And um, I went to the event and we had like front row seats and he's clamming the thing and the dude's, he's like literally like standing like right here with me and like talking and everything. And then um, it was funny. So I get up and I'm like, I got to the bathroom. So we go to the bathroom and Grant Cardone is literally in the shadows by the bathroom watching the event because he was about, he was thinking about if he was going to use this area for his 10X, first, first 10X growth con. No kidding. Dead serious, bro. So Jared's there. Jared glanced there. I'm like, what's up, man? So Jared and I become friends. We talk on Instagram all the time. Grant's there. We shoot, we shoot a picture of each other. And I'm like, wait a minute, man. I'm at Rock Tony's thing. I go to the bathroom. I hook up with Grant. I hook up with Jared. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm upstairs and Gary's on the stage and I'm like two feet from him. So then like I pulled out my phone and like shot this video and he's just shooting raw, like whatever it is. And then that was kind of like how it all met. And then Tony and I met up and he started talking about, um, he was like, you know, what do you do? And I told him, you know, what we do, like we're we, a bit originally what we did, we were a defamation removal company. So if you screwed up and that information made its way online, 
you would contact us and we would have the information removed or suppressed back through uh, the search engines, right? So some people need that. And, you know, we work with athletes and celebrities and stuff like that. And we still do. And um, he was like, that's really interesting. Um, he's like, I'm actually, that's, that's pretty interesting. He's like, can you, D, you know, DM me on Instagram. I want to talk more about that. And I was like, yeah, Tony Robbins, I'll DM you on the uh, gram there, brother. I'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll catch up. And it was funny. I did DM him because I was like, I just want to see if the guy does it. And he did. He hit me back. And I was like, wow. So you can imagine how many people we talked to that day. Um, and we've, it, there's been a couple conversations, not a lot, but it's, it is what it is. The Gary Vee thing um, was interesting because there was something where I put up a perspective post. It was funny because we're talking about perspective, but um, I put up like a perspective post and it was like a picture of like Wolverine and Batman. And it looked, cause I'm a huge comic book nerd, obviously. Yes. And you can see Batman's face and Wolverine in the exact same image. And I put it up and then team Gary Vee shared all that stuff on their, on their Instagram. And that's what kind of blew me up um, on mine. And then um, D rock and I became friends and, we talk all the time. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy, man. Then my other friend, Mike um, Reuter, who I make a lot of video content with, um, he's got a lot of friends at, at, at VaynerMedia and it's just like, so it's whatever. But when I go and talk, people always say that they're, they're, they're always like, Hey, you remind me a lot of Gary Vee. And I'm like, well, I mean, if that's who you want to compare me to, I am 100% cool with that. Like we see things differently, right? I mean, not everything that we do is exactly the same. We see th we have a couple different opinions on different topics, but I, I, I love the content that he puts out. And for the one thing that I respect about Gary is that um, he, he puts out what he says he, what he wants other people to do. And I do the same thing. So when I tell people you should go get on TikTok, like I go, I'm on TikTok every day. So it's like, I do what I train my, train people that want to work with us. I, I, I do what I say that they should do. Like, I just don't tell them what they should do. I actually do it too. So they can see the results and that I'm like real. I'm not, you know, it's not fake. Yeah. Right. No. And I think that's key. And I, and I actually see a connection between you and Gary Vee as well, as far as your, you know, your presentation, your realness, your rawness. And it's, you know, it's a great trait. I mean, he, a lot of people, you know, I guess don't like him for whatever reason, don't like certain people, but I, I really resonate with his message and I could see how you are doing the same, you know, with the people that are, that are following. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 40 now, man. I, I, and it's very interesting. A, a thing that happens, I feel like in your brain as you turn 40 is, is a, um, and you know, it's funny. I haven't cussed on this at all and I'm not going to, because I don't know your values, but I won't do it. Um, but I, I don't care. Like when I turned 40, like something flipped in my brain and I just was like, mm, I just don't care what anybody thinks about me anymore. I just, I just don't. So if you don't like me, great. And, um, and then I, what I did is I took all my stuff and I put it out there. So it was like, you can say I'm, I went bankrupt. You can say that I got divorced. You can say that I failed in business before you can, what, what else, what can you say about me now? Like, what else can you say now, right? So it's like, if you hate me, you hate me. Or if you don't like me because I'm too positive, then okay. Go find somebody negative to follow. Right. There's something about that too, just for your own psyche, right? Of getting everything out there. So there's nothing to hide. I mean, what a great feeling. It's super smart. There's a, there's a, um, uh, have you ever seen Billions? No. Okay. It's a, it's a show. I think it's on HBO or Showtime. 
Paul Giamani is um, an attorney on that show, and he has like a secret life, right? He's got a secret like, like I don't know, some sort of sexual thing that he has, and it's something that is that hovers in his in his back, right? And he's like, a, it's like it's like a secret he doesn't want anybody to know about, and he's getting ready to run for public office. And he's standing up there and he just goes, you know what? I want to tell everyone, this is what I do in my private life. And he just lets it all out. Like public television, right? Put it out there. And when he did that, the guys that were going to hold that against him were like, we can't hold it against him now. And then the public goes, oh, we love this guy. He's telling the truth about his life. He's making himself super vulnerable. Now we're going to support him. People don't realize that like, yeah, we all have secrets and I get that. And I mean, it is what it is, but if you're willing to share your losses and your failures, that makes you a whole lot more authentic and more trustworthy. And it's just the truth. Like if you open yourself up to everybody and just go, you can say whatever you want to say about me. Here's all the negative stuff you could possibly say about me. So everybody knows now. So now I can take that circle, my circle of people that I want to surround myself with and the people that aren't going to judge me based on those situations that occurred with me or decisions, bad decisions that I made, those people aren't really my friends. Yeah. Do we really have time for people that don't want to be friends with us in our life? I mean, come on. No. no. Uh, back to that word vulnerability too, right? And just putting it all out there. So I think that that's a great segue into the next topic that we had. And that's, um, you know, the importance of, of personal branding and reputation. So kind of, and I know you specialize in that. Can you get a little bit deeper into the importance of those two things? Well, it's funny because now, like, it always, originally everything was reputation management. That's, like, that, that's what our agency was based around. First, it was personal reputation. Then it was business reputation. And then it was back to, that's awesome, buddy. Good job. I know. It's in there. He's, first, it was personal reputation. Then it was business reputation. People are at least going to love this based oh. on the entertainment value of a five-year-old interrupting a professional podcast. It's real. We love it. It's real. Um, this is real life, people. Um, and then, and then um, what ended up happening is, again, when I made that decision a couple years ago to start really focusing on my personal brand, um, then people were kind of they, – they started going like, okay, well, I want to do that too, right? And so then I was like, okay, if they want to do that, then I have to start documenting how I'm doing all this. So then I can show them how to do it. So reputation is, and I keep saying this to everyone, but they're not listening. I don't, I don't feel like they're listening. Reputation is like the pillar of everything, especially now, because what you, one, what you say about yourself and two, what others say about you can be the defining difference of everything else that you're putting your effort in under it. So if your reputation is not good, then all this other stuff really doesn't matter. And so what I mean by that is, let's, let's use a restaurant, for example. A restaurant that says, hey, Todd, we want to run Facebook ads, Instagram ads, uh, YouTube pre-roll ads, Google ads, Waze ads, um, just all this stuff. We want to do all this advertising. We want to we pay you this much money, and we want you guys to run the ads. And I'm like, okay, cool. I like that, but... We're running ads back to a restaurant that has a 3.2 Google rating, a 2.7 Yelp rating, um, a 3.4 Facebook recommendations rating. Why are we running ads? What are we running ads back to for what reason? And then they go, well, what do you mean? I want, we want more business. And I go, I understand that. 
but you're going to take this money. You're going to spend this money to drive traffic back to a place where people say you, you suck. That's just the fact of the matter. I mean, the fact of the matter is we put all this effort into advertising ourselves and selling and this, that, and everything else. And then we forget about that. We're driving people back to a place where the public is saying that's not the truth. And so that's what always ends up leading back to the point of it's it, the, the public will make the decision on their opinion, whether they accept you or don't accept you. If they say no, the answer is no. It, it, this is just the bottom line. And sometimes you're going to lose. Sometimes the community is just going to say, nope. And is there a way to fix that? Or Yeah, 100%. Most of the time, the problem starts at the top, right? So, and we'll just keep using the restaurant as an example. If I say to the owner, right, if I say to C-level, this is what you guys need to do to get this part fixed. And it will work based on this is how it worked for these three places, okay? So I'll, I'll have data backing up and, 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 and facts backing up and, and um, uh, case studies backing up what we've done for others, right? That have given me permission to share that. If the management and the internal C-level doesn't monitor that and manage that, then it will not get fixed. Sometimes it's the employees. If the employees aren't going to listen to the manager and the manager's not going to listen to C-level or principal, I can't fix that. That's, a, that's an internal issue that can't be fixed. At that point, we're spinning our wheels. At that point, we're not a good fit. So that's the first thing that I say when I walk in. I'm like, I'm going to see if we're even a good fit here. Are you going to listen? Because if you're not going to listen, I'm not going to waste my time. You really want to fix this? We'll fix it. But you have to listen to every single thing that I say. And some people go, oh, yeah, yep, yep, we'll listen. And then I'm, that's cool. We're going to mystery shop you to see if you're really listening. So we, I mean, it's very detailed, man. It's, it's, it's very, very detailed. And um, the people that listen see the results. And then when the results come, when the reviews and the ratings start to move in the level of where we want them, that's when the base has been created. That's when we start doing everything else. Everybody right now, most people are rushing into the cell instead of fixing, yes. uh, fixing the base. What percentage of those companies or individuals actually listen to you and follow through? Is it 50-50? Is it, what would you guess? I think in the very beginning of, the agency's been around for probably seven, going on seven years now. I think at the very beginning, the percentage was a lot lower. I think over the last maybe three and a half, four years, they, they really do listen. Um, we don't do contracts. That's one thing that sets us apart. It's a very risky move from a business standpoint of not doing a contract massively, yeah. right? Um, but the reason I did it that way is because I remembered this when I first started it and I said, I want our reputation to be our pillar. I want to be able to go back to the well and tell a story about a client who's successful that's been with us for five years or six years and I want to share that with people that are thinking about using us. So when you go to like our customer stories page and you see people like John Menadakis, who owns Jimmy's Famous Seafood, who's like, I mean, this guy was just on Fox News, right? And he says, Todd Collins and his agency are the best at social media and reputation management for a restaurant. Period. 
do, do at that point, seriously. And, and he's like, we've been with them for five years and this, that, I mean, do I really need to sell the product at that point? No, I've been able to, do, I'm, I'm documenting what we're doing for our clients. And then I'm telling their story and letting them sell the product for us. So somebody said to me the other day, they were like, how many salespeople do you have in your agency? And I said, one, no, me, I'm say I'm sales, but I also have at any given month, nine ads running at the exact same time that are telling stories. They're not selling a product. The ads are simply telling stories of clients that we've had. And it gives the opportunity to someone else that sees that story to become one of those stories. And that's all it is. And that's the biggest lead generator. I love it. And I hope that there's some listeners out there that you can help that I'm sure are looking for these services because it's, it's so needed today. You know, everyone's trying to figure this game out. And the fact that you have some somewhat of a, you know, um, template, if you will, but more than that, a proven track record. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end, we'll, we'll give people the best way to reach you. But sure. I'm really glad you, you shared that example because it's a real life example of many, many businesses like a restaurant that need help, but need to help themselves first. Yeah, they 100%. They just, they're just, they try to rush the process, right? I mean, and we, like, I'm just using restaurants as an example, but I mean, we've got, we operate in, you know, we're, we work with car dealerships and big ones, big car dealerships, you know, they're nationwide and um, um, but real estate agents and attorneys and doctors and dentists and things like that. And, you know, they're all asking me the same thing where it's like, <laughs> I love it when they, when the first ones that always go like, if it's a first one in a vertical and they'll be like, what other dentist do you work with? And I'm like, does it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's the same formula. It's just a different vertical. You know what I mean? So hope, hopefully it helps somebody. They don't have to necessarily use me. Just maybe just do something in your own business where you're focusing on, you're focusing more on the reputation side of it and let the community make their decisions. And if you have a good reputation online and it resonates in real life, you're never going to have a problem. And it increases the wealth of your business too. If you're trying, if you have an exit strategy and you're trying to sell your business, you know how hard it is to sell a business that's got shitty ratings. Sorry if I cussed, but it's the truth. If you have good, if you have great ratings online, that that business is worth more money. Yep. Yep. Starts there. It really yep. does. So Todd, talk about the confidence in the 18 to 29 year olds. What what does that mean and why is that important? So I have I have two interns right now. Well, Technically, they're not even interns anymore. I actually hired them. They were they started out as interns, and um, I actually hired them. Um, so when they come out of college, they have jobs, uh, guaranteed. They wanted to get into like marketing and stuff like that. Great job, brother. Good job, buddy. They I got all different teams to join. I know you did. But they're not even my team. Okay. So <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. So. Um, I hired them because they're so good. And the funniest thing is that they're two of the hardest working ones, 18 and one's 19. They're two of the hardest working people that I have ever seen. And I said to them, I said, would you want to continue working when you guys go back to college? And they said, yep. And I said, great. It's not going to interfere with school. Nope. And it just, they're ready to go, man. And um, I, I just don't think, our either our age group or the age, uh, the, let's say I'm 40, obviously, but uh, let's say 50, 60 year old. Hey, that's enough. 50 or 60 years. There you go. That just saw some parenting. The boss move right there. 
um, the 56 year old um, and, and the 40 and the people in the 40s, we have, we, we are super, super good at going in my day, we walked this, you know, this many miles to school. And back in my day, we went outside and played and you guys just sit and play video games and stuff like that. And I'm like, Dude, if you had a Nintendo Switch and Fortnite stuff, dude, you would have played it too, man. So don't don't give me that. We lay, we we always blame the next generation behind us for not being as good good as us. Uh, and I just don't believe that. I believe that that eighteen to twenty five year old generation right now is not taking any crap from our generation, and they're they're living in a very interesting time from a standpoint of they're utilizing technology to make themselves better and create their own personal brands look these these kids are going out and they're in and they are playing video games and getting paid millions of dollars and i hear people saying it's so stupid that ninja gets paid the money that he gets dude who are really god bless you the only reason you're saying that is because a you suck at video games and b you're jealous that's it so it's like we're real good at being jealous and, and mad at other people that are successful. People are just super good at that. That's that's their talent is is throwing throwing shade on other people that are that are doing something that they can't do. So I don't know. I, every eighteen to twenty five year old that I meet that's really good at stuff, I always seem to learn something from them. Um, whether it's their perspective of what they see, which helps me in my business, or teaches me something. Uh, that I didn't know before. Um, so, you know, have confidence in, in this younger generation and also have confidence in your kids that are 18 to 25. Have confidence to know that, you know, you came out and you're fine and you probably did a stuff a hell of a lot worse than your kids did. And if your kid picks up a phone and is on their phone and they're consuming content and maybe you just shift it a little bit and say, instead of watching the video of the girl jumping on the bed or whatever it is, if you want to make videos like that, maybe consume some content on how you could make your own videos like that. Very smart. Very smart, Todd. And look, we, we think a lot alike. Everything you're talking about, and, and I'm 10 years uh, ahead of you, so I'll, I'll be 50 yeah. here. But um, for me, it's I've wanted to really highlight millennials uh, as part of our American Real series. And we've, we've done that. We've interviewed probably a dozen millennials, and we're continuing to do that because just like you said, we can learn something from them. Yep. Why be stubborn and say that, you know, these kids can't teach us anything? No, they can't. They're living in a different time. And as a matter of fact, I've been working with a 19-year-old um, for the past six months. He started his own podcast. I worked with him on writing his own book. He completed the book, his first book, in three months. I am so proud of this kid. And now he's working with me directly. But as you said, he's He's teaching me. I'm teaching him, of course, but it's a great partnership. So I'm glad you said that. I, I hope, again, the listeners, if they're not already working with someone young, take someone under your wing because yep. it's a good thing to do anyway, and they could teach you just as much. Well, you probably remember, you know, when you were that age and there were, you know, guys or gals that were older than you that gave you opportunities. You know, I can, I can think back to like, remember sitting in someone's office, uh, there, was, there was a guy named Ed Wheeler and he had a, a, a high, super like built like luxury homes. And I, and I remember, I think I was like 19 or 20 and I was sitting in his office and he was, this is all going to be yours one day. If you listen to what I tell you, right. 
And he's like, I want to teach you everything from the ground up. And, this, and I did not want to go into that business. My dad got me that opportunity. Regardless of that, the guy saw something in me. And I started out slinging cinder block and laying mason and stuff like that and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, that kind of woke me up. I remember I went to him and I said, I don't want to live my life like this. This is not what I want to do for a living. I appreciate the opportunity. But I've had people and mentors in my life that have helped push me through. Um, and I just crossed paths with one the, like last week. She saw me speaking at a seminar. And she was in a room probably 15 years before that of she was, we were working at the same job and a boss, her boss, our boss at the time said to me, he said, you'll never succeed in anything that you do with your hair like that. Cause I had like blonde, like a lot of blonde in my hair and stuff like that. And he was like, you'll, you'll never do it. He's like, and you're, you're a terrible salesperson. And this, I just, just beating the crap out of me. And, uh, little funny thing is I'm sitting there and I'm talking in front of like a hundred and some odd people. And Steph walks in the back room and I hadn't seen her in like 15 years. She comes up and she's like, I, I can't believe it. And, and she goes back and starts following my story. And she was a mentor because she was like, I totally believe in you. And she said that back then. And so um, being a mentor to somebody is, uh, it's, a, it's a gift and it shouldn't be wasted. Um, you, you'd be surprised. It, it, it's something that they'll remember for the rest of their life. Yeah. So it's cool that you've done that. Now that you say that, I'm thinking back to people that were in my life when I was 19, 20. Man, even, you know, my guidance counselor yeah. invited me in and, and it was great just to get that wisdom, you know, from, from that person and several other people along the way. So uh, I'm glad we spoke about that. Now, do you still have mentors? I do. I do. One of my mentors is a guy by, actually, he should be on your podcast. To be, actually, both these guys should be on your podcast. Great. One, one, of, one of my mentors is a guy by the name of Richard or Richie Huffman. He's the CEO of Celebrity School. Um, great entrepreneur, uh, super hard worker, came from zero and, and built up um, um, pre-traditional pre school education, so early childhood education um, schools for children. Um, he has 26 locations uh, now, and they're franchising now. Um, and this guy came from nothing. And I mean, he's an absolutely amazing, great mentor of mine, talks to me. And he's one of those mentors who will call me and tell me to come meet him. And then is like, tell me everything that's going on in your life right now. Like, he doesn't give a crap about, like, I could sit there and ask him. And he doesn't care. He wants to know about you. You would love this guy. Great. The other guy is a guy by the name of Dennis Yu, Dennis Y.U., um, probably the best digital marketer on the planet. Um, I mean, Nike, Adidas, uh, Rosetta Stone. Um, I mean, just, I can't, he worked for Yahoo. I mean, he's an amazing guy. I spoke at a, I spoke uh, years ago at a, um, at some conference. It was in Canada and he was there and we, we hit it off, became really good friends. And then, um, he never tried to sell me anything. He just was like, I see something in you. And he's like, if you ever need anything. And he just, he's been for some odd reason, man, the guy has just supported me. Funny. I just talked to him today. The guy's just supporting me for like endlessly. And he's actually speaking at the 2019 digital summit. So like, I think Vanderchuk is the keynote and Dennis is actually speaking there. Um, you should have him on your show. Cause he's great too. Where's, he out of? Where's Dennis out of? He's out of Ca uh, California, okay. but just good dude. Like awesome guy. And, um, so it's Dennis why you should follow him like on Facebook and LinkedIn really like LinkedIn's like his spot, but, um, he's just so full of knowledge 
And um, I've just started utilizing a lot of the things, a lot of the teachings that, that he taught me and then taught, and then I taught my people. And then um, that's really taken off. And it was funny because I was like, I mean, I was like, I want to be on that. I want to be on the Digital Summit keynote. I said, nobody's talking about reputation management. Like, they're all talking about this and that. Nobody's talking about reputation management. So I put my application in and then I saw Dennis was on there and I'm like, oh, this is kismet. Like, I put my application in. Uh, my One of my mentors is a speaker. I hit him up and I'm like, dude, is there any possible way? Like, I was like, I don't even like asking this. I was like, I want to talk about reputation management at the summit, man. Get me one. And he's like, uh, he's like, all right, send me your speaker reel. And like, he's like, send me this. And then I like send everything over and the like three or four days pass. And of course I'm like itching, like, did I get it? Did I get it? And he hits me back and he goes, it's not your time yet. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, it's like, you're killing me. And he goes, dude, he's like, he's like this, he's like, buddy, this is it. This is, this is one of your lessons. He's like, you're doing so much right now. And he's like, you're touching so many people and everything's on fire for you. He's like, it's almost there. It's almost there. He's like, here's when it matters. He's like, when it matters is that when you don't put an application in for it, they come to you. And I was like, great lesson. A couple minutes. He's taking my. What, what's up, buddy? Say hi. Hi, Mr. Roger. <laughs> yeah, so, so basically, I was like, so then you know what he told me? He goes, dude, you know what you should do? And I was like, what? And he goes, make a video about it. Make a video about how you feel right now. Wow. And I was Great. like, right? And that's, that's the mentorship. He goes, make a video about how you feel right now. So I grabbed Madison. She's like our intern. Like we, we have three videographers in our production team, but I grabbed Madison. She's my youngest one. I said, let's go outside real quick. I was like, I feel like crap right now. I want to shoot a video. And I shot the video and I posted it up. And I it just was talking about like, I was like, I lost. Like, and I was thinking, and I was like, I always make videos about like wins and good stuff. And this, I was like, you know what? Screw this, man. I was like, I'm going to talk about this massive loss I just got. Sucks. I feel like crap. Like people go, that's awesome, dude. You shared a loss. And I'm like, I know I'm going to share more losses. Now I want to share with you when I lose a client. Great it's advice. real life. Yes. And so that's the biggest problem that I see with a lot of these guys out here. They're sharing, they're posing next to a Lamborghini or they're posing, posing next to their big mansion and they're doing this and they're doing that. Dude, you're not, dude, we don't, real life, let me break real life for you. We all lose like pretty much every day. Share that, then share the win. That's what inspires people. Inspire. Have you ever seen an inspirational movie? Let's use Rocky as an example. If Rocky won every single fight through every single movie, would it be as inspirational, as entertaining as it was? Or the most, the point in that movie where you get the most pumped is when he is at his lowest and makes the decision to turn things around and fights back. That's what inspires people. Not, not eternal success. I love what you just said. And again, you're just, you're reading my mind because... My next question, and I know we're going to wrap this up soon, but how you fought back in business and in your personal life. You gave us in early on in the interview a little insight into, you know, the bankruptcy, uh, the divorce. Um, but then, you know, you wrote down your goals. You put them out there and you continue to do that. I heard you just say that now that you're going after, you know, even if it's a, a speaking engagement, you're going after it. But give us a little bit of insight on how you fought back 
in your personal business life? Yeah. So in the, I, I had the support of, of a great part of a great partner. Um, when I was going through the loss of the business and the bankruptcy and the divorce and, and it was all, and what was terrible about that is it was all culminating at the exact same time, which really sucks. So it was like, it was like job loss, business loss, divorce. Yeah. All of it. Right. Bankruptcy. Like it was all happening at the same time. Like I had multiple attorneys, like it was just a mess. And, um, I was drinking a lot. No question about it. Cause I haven't drank in five years, but this was around this. This. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I was drinking a lot um, and I was suppressing my feelings or my anxiety with that. So I could like get numb with the alcohol, if that made sense. And and I never went to AA or anything. I just like, I, I'm one of those people where like, if I want to quit something, like I just quit, like I can do it. Like I did the same thing with like smoking cigarettes and stuff. And so um, I remember I woke up and I was like, and and I remember the the turning point was I got the call and I was being I was being sued for two and a half million dollars. Wow. But I won the case because they the there was nothing there that like proved that I was like I did anything wrong. And so um I remember that was the day that changed everything because I was like, okay, something happened that's gone. That it's gone from my life. So now I got to fix the next thing. And then that's what I started doing, right? I started writing down, like, I need to fix the next thing. I said, I, I'm, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this anymore. I was like, I'm, I'm going to focus hundred percent on the gym, uh, the, uh, on, on the business. I'm going to make this many calls a day. I'm going to get, I'm, and I just started scratching those things off my list. Right. Then, then as I started getting better at that, I wasn't physically healthy. Like I was working so much, but I wasn't doing anything. I was eating badly. I was, I was uh, not going to the gym. I wasn't doing anything. And my significant other, my girlfriend at the time, we'd been together for probably six years, maybe at that point. I came home one day and she was like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, what? And like, we had a son together. And I was like, what are you talking about? And She's like, I, I just, I, she's like, I don't know what I'm, I don't, I, I think she was going through like a midlife crisis. At least that's what she tells me. And uh, that was it. And I was back. And then, I, cause I was thinking everything's great. And then now I'm like back on my own again. And a, lo- a large part of it was the fact that um, I wasn't putting a l- enough attention or focus into the relationship. So then I got real salty and I was like, that's it. I'm getting back in the gym. And I got back in the gym and I started and then I it was like, now work, now work is everything to me. Now work is my main focus. I don't care about anything else. Just work, gym, work, gym, work, gym. And just kept pumping at that. And it made me, it made me start to see things differently. And then her and I were able to reconnect from a standpoint of understanding. Okay. I'll get it. I'll get it for you. Give me two more minutes. I will. Give me one second. <laughs> Sorry, this is a dramatic moment. Um, I don't know how to buy it. How do you buy it? Tell me. Give me, give me five minutes and I'll buy it. I promise. I promise I'll buy it. Anyway, I worked my I worked my butt off to get back to get that relationship back to where it needed to be, and um, and it worked, and we were able to make things work again. We got back together. We've been back together for years. She actually works with the company. 
Um, she's like my right arm. I know that story to go there. Yeah, no. And a lot of people didn't because at one point I, I was, I was at the point where I was like, do I really, do I really want to get back? Do I really want to get back with you because of what you did to me? And then I realized that if she would never have done that, that I wouldn't be where I am now. And I took, I took everything that happened with us. Um, I made, I made, I turned it into a positive and was like, you had to do that. That had to happen. Just like the divorce had to happen. Just like the failures had to happen. So then I could share the stories with everyone else to say that if this happened to you, or if this is happening to you, it's going to be okay. And you're going to get through it. I promise because I didn't, if I can do it, you can do it. So if you're going through a breakup right now, reinvent yourself work hard at it. You're going to get through it. It's going to be okay. And if that's the person that you're supposed to be with, you're going to be with them. If not, that other person is going to find their way into your life one way or another. Like this guy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You talk about the importance of mental clarity um, and health in business. And I think that's somewhat related to what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Anything that you could expand on there? Yeah, I think the mental clarity comes from, and, and I hate to say this because I, I don't drink, but I think that the mental clarity comes from um, not 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 taking substances that cloud my thinking. Um, and I hate, I really hate to say that. But you got this in a German language, bud. Can't that include the wrong food? Yeah, a hundred percent. Alcohol or drugs. It could also be like I notice when I eat sugar or you know, a lot of carbs, bread and pasta that it just, Oh, it drags me down. And I say, why did I do that? I don't need Yeah. That. Like when I eat sushi, I swell up. I don't know why. <laughs> and I'm not allergic to sushi. It's like, like I, I swell up the next morning, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think once you start taking stock, like once you start understanding that, and this isn't, this is an interesting fact, right? Like people say that we use 10% of our brain and that may be true. That's because just so everybody understands this, your brain also controls like 90% of your body. So the reason that your thinking part is the 10% is because your brain is also making sure that your heart's pumping and your blood's flowing and your feet are moving and your fingers are moving and your hands are moving and your eyebrows go up and down. Your brain's working. Your brain is working at 100% capacity, but only 10% of the capacity is working on that subconscious and thinking. Okay. I'm trying to buy that. Based on that, give me one second. Based on that, you're not you're not thinking with a clear mind. So when you don't think with a clear mind, and you're you're gonna make a decision to every day I'm gonna go and I'm gonna eat McDonald's for lunch because I don't have time to make food, things of that nature. We we're using too many excuses where you can spend the same amount of money that you spend at McDonald's, you can get a meal prep course with healthy food and do it. We indulge ourselves and we we eat the sugar and we drink the alcohol, and we smoke whatever we smoke. And I'm not against people that smoke weed. If you want to smoke weed, smoke weed. It doesn't matter to me. Like, I just chose not to do it anymore. It's, even if it's legal, you can smoke. Like, alcohol is legal, and I don't do it. Um, we choose to find that to mask the feeling that we currently feel. And you're never going to get right if you can't accept the fact that you feel a certain way. You're never really going to fix it. And that's a problem. You're, 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 you're unwilling to fix you have the ability to fix it, but you're unwilling to put the work in to actually fix it. So you're just going to mask it by using something else that eventually is going to kill you. 
Todd, what tips have you created that help keep you on track? Anything that you could share? Um, I posted a, I posted a couple, if you go to my website and you go to my blog, um, I posted some blogs up there that, that I, I felt like it was important for me to document. So like the health part of it, like what I did to get back into shape, I documented that. So, um, instead of like going into it on the podcast, I would say, just, buy the battle pass. I would go, I would go to my website and actually read that, um, read that blog. And it's about what I did basically like step-by-step step on how to actually get yourself back into shape and how it will directly affect your, your business and the way that you think and how you should eat. Um, that really helps with it. But really the bottom line is that it's just by making a decision to go do it. And, and that's the hardest part really. Cause once you start making the decision to go do it and you actually do it, that's when things start to change. But it's like a lot of us will go to the gym and then we just won't go back, but we'll still pay our gym membership. Like you got to go, even if you don't want to go Daddy, like yesterday, I will, I did not want to go to the gym, Roger at all. Get out of here. I didn't want to go to the gym. <laughs> I didn't want to go to the gym and I, and I, but I went anyway. And I felt so much better after, after I left. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, that's, you just got to remember like, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, I, it was funny because people started asking me, they were like, how did you lose? How did you lose that much weight? How did you do this? How did you do that? And finally I just like locked myself in a room and I just like two days and just typed it all out. And my business partner was like, you're an idiot. Like, dude, sell it, sell it. And I was like, no, man. I was like, I'm not going to sell this. I was like, I'm going to give it away to people. Yes. And I gave it away. And I, it's funny. Our gym is right next door. It's like, literally you go out the doors downstairs, outdoors, our office and the gym's right next door. And like five of my friends from high school now all work out there and they all work out there because they saw my change. And there's a picture in the gym of me before and after. And I remember I gave, they came to me and they were like, we want to do a before and the after for you, of you. Like, it's a really cool story. Um, and they were like, do you want to give a before picture? And they were like, you just give us like a nice looking one. So it doesn't, and I said, no, dude, I gave them a picture of me. Good job. I gave them a picture of me literally sitting, stop, literally sitting in a chair, like my stomach, like out, like everything. And that's what's up there. And, um, I went from 220 to 158. And that's just changing that. I mean, obviously not drinking, changing my eating habits and uh, working out every day. I do cardio every day, um, which some people will say like some trainers, even my own trainer is like, you shouldn't run every day. And I'm like, I love running every day because running, when I get to like that 1.7, 1.8 mile point, my mind goes and everything goes quiet. And I'm able to really focus in and get, get rid of a lot of the stress that um, I thought about during yeah. the day. And it goes to showing each of us that our bodies will tell us what we could do, what we could handle. We don't always need someone, even a professional trainer, to tell us that you can't do cardio every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do what your body wants. Well, dude, my my knee started hurting, oddly, like two days after I turned 40. I'm like, come on, man. It doesn't, this isn't real. And I remember my trainer was like, you should take a break. Like you should go maybe move to like the rowing machine or something like that. And I was like, Nope. And I went home and I taped, i iced my knee, kept ice my knee every night. Yeah, you did. Yep. Taped it up, put the brace on it. This, and I just kept running with it like that. And eventually, oddly enough, it went away and I just kept running. And so 
you know, take that with whatever grain of salt you want to take it with. But when you work sometimes through the pain, you end up getting stronger and faster and better at what you do. Both physically and mentally, right? You got it. Todd Collins, this has been a great conversation. I would love to do a part two with you in person. We need to meet. Let's do it. I'll come to New York. Yeah, let's do it. No coincidence that we've, uh, that we've connected. And I'm really happy you shared your story. How could people contact you? What's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, it's funny. And I'm going to keep this, this I'll keep short. People always ask me when they meet me, they're like, do you have a business card? And I'm like, no, it's crazy. Who cares a business card anymore? Don't, Roger, don't do that anymore. Follow me on Instagram. It's public profile. All you have to do is go follow me, DM me, and you can talk to me as much as you want. Um, that's Roger and I, that's how we met. I mean, literally, you saw me on Instagram, direct message me, hey man, you want to do something? Let's do it. And that's how we do it. So um, I'm everywhere at Todd Collins Official. Twitter, I'm reputation at Reputation Todd, but everywhere else, it's at Todd Collins Official. And here's the thing, that is not an ego thing. I tried buying ToddCollins.com. The guy won't answer me back. I tried getting Todd Collins to Instagram. <laughs> that guy won't answer me back. Nobody will do it. So I finally just like, I'll just make Todd Collins Official everywhere. And then like, hopefully like, that's okay. It's not an ego thing. I would love to be just Todd Collins, but it just does. It's not in the cards. I get it. It's a common name like I have as well. So <laughs> yes. Well, look, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all this inspiration. And this is a episode that I'm going to say is full of gold. So Todd, thanks so much. Welcome to the American Real family. I can't wait to share this episode and we'll do it again in person. Thanks. Thanks, Roger. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. And speaking of podcasting, our next course will be starting soon. So if you're interested in launching your own podcast, join me and podcast your passion. I'll take you through my eight-week course where I'll mentor you to build a world-class podcast. I'm only taking on a small group of people who want to share their passion through broadcasting, where I'll have you up on iTunes and YouTube within weeks so you can podcast your passion. Click on the link below for more information. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.